Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back. Nice to see you. It's Trish Carr with Women's Prosperity Network. And I'm so happy you are here with us for another episode of Be Real, Get Real. And I love doing this show because in this show, I learned so much about people that I know, but I just didn't know all of these juicy tidbits. And I'm going to share them with you because here's the thing about this show. Be real, get real. When you are real with people and you can get real with people, you get real results. And we do business with people. We don't do business with businesses. Even at my local grocery store, it's the same people I see all the time. Even though it's a big grocery store chain, I go because I like seeing those people. Yeah, I like to buy groceries too. But the extra bonus is I get to interact with people at that business. And that's what this is about. So today, I'm so excited to be talking with someone I've known for a couple of years now. And we're going to be getting into a topic in her background that really she doesn't talk about very much. But she's kind of opening the curtain, kind of getting out of the closet, if you will, and uh, sharing her reality with you and let me tell you about her so so many of you people know everybody watching you're gonna you know this woman it's Topi Tamara Lloyd some of you call her Toppy some of us call her Topi as long as you call her she's happy <laughs> but um Topi has parlayed her background in teaching and bookkeeping and is really teaching financial literacy, educating and showing others how to build really future-focused strategies that can reduce your debt. I love that sound. Build your savings, yes, so that at some point you can have enough money where you don't have to be continuing to bring it in. And protect your financial security for generations. So please help me welcome the fabulous Topi Tamara Lloyd. It's a pleasure having you here with me. Tell everybody where you're from. Um, so originally I'm from Jamaica, but I yeah. currently reside in Bronx, New York, and it's wonderful, um, except when it snows. <laughs> I'm not wow. a snow girl, so. I'm a summer girl at heart, and I've been here, so all summer activities is what I really like doing. So that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, and you're a hard-working mom. You know, yeah. you, have, uh, you have how many? You have one, one son, one right? Son. I have one son. He'll be 12 this month. Um, so, yeah, I'm about to have a teenager in the next year. <laughs> oh, well, you know, they're in the tween years. I don't know about him, but when I was 12, I thought I knew everything. Yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there with it. <laughs> yeah, I thought I knew it all, but I found out I didn't know anything. Yeah. I didn't know anything. So tell us just a little bit about what you do with financial literacy, and then I want to get into your background and your story. 
Okay, so I'm with, as a financial professional, I am helping businesses, individuals, and families to plan using strategies for their financial future. So um, a one-size-fits-all is not it. So I usually sit with the people I'm sitting with, and we do a financial needs analysis, and this is free of cost. And so what we do is sit with them, see where they are and where they want to be. So it's a lot of gold oriented, what they want to do in the future, um, what they want to see happen with their family when they're no longer here, or just living in the moment of not working so much for the rest of their lives, but to enjoy the little yeah. life we have when time is there. Yeah, and managing, you know, I, I think that in the U.S., the average person has something like $5,000 credit card debt. It might even be more than that now, right? It's, it's more so usually what we see is that uh, if there's an emergency, a $500 emergency, a lot of us don't have that money to take care of that emergency right away because we don't either have any funding because we're working paycheck to paycheck or there's just not enough in the money that we earn to cover these expenses. Um, so we help them to save, not to say that savings are getting to be at the financial point is not only for the wealthy, but whatever money that you have, you can start doing something with it. Whatever your budget, whatever your financial situation, you can save and do something for your future, not for when or when that time when I'm at a certain particular earning, but you can start where you are at right now to start having that financial security and financial independence. Yeah. And Topi, with all of the people who are dealing with debt, I mean, I have credit card debt, too. For me, it's about managing it so that I'm not paying high interest rates if I don't have to. You know, I, I, I know I'm going to have debt here and there, uh, but it's about figuring out what can I do so I pay the least amount on interest? What can I do to pay it off as quickly as possible without hurting my pocketbook? And it's really frightening what you just said about the average family with a $500 emergency would be in a lot of trouble. Yes. So it's about really getting strategies to look forward and look at right now, right? Mm -hmm. There's two things. So great. That's wonderful. That's really a wonderful thing. And you, how'd you get into this? Um. So um, when COVID happened, I lost my job. Actually, I lost two jobs in, within the space of a year. Um, so when COVID happened and I was home, as with most parents with remote learning and all those things, I was like, okay, what do I, what will I do when I'm no longer having, um, ooh, what's the word, uh, you know, that thing that you, the money you get when you're not working, unemployment. Yes, unemployment. Like, when one employment runs out, what am I going to be doing? And so I started doing some research and I found, um, the rich live richer academy and i started doing some research and i started trying to figure out how am i going to hold on to the little money that i have and so i got really invested in it and then i was like telling my mom telling my siblings telling everyone around me about how they could hold on to their money and i found i liked it because i'm um, with my teaching background it just helped me like this was another way of teaching and so it was like really fun um but i found that I was gravitated towards bookkeeping. And so I was like, okay, maybe I should do bookkeeping. And so I started in that realm. And so um, there's a program on 
online. I found the Free Mama Movement, and I started through there. And the I, Free Mama Movement. Yes, the Free Mama. So that's what she's called. And there's a group on um, online, Free Mama Movement. So I started there with bookkeeping. However, I was doing the bookkeeping. I liked it, but after a while, I found that. I don't think bookkeeping liked me that much, but I did found that I did enjoy teaching, that teaching aspect, the advisory part and how to really get a scope in of where your numbers are and how to plan for your future and stuff like that. I enjoyed that part. And so a friend of mine introduced me to what I'm doing now. And so I found that, yeah, I like this a lot more because uh, as um business owners as parents I was like once I had my son like when I do I'm no longer here what are stuff am I going to put in place to have him being taken care of financially that's mostly where my thing was finances because yes I, if I do pass and he does go to a family member or a friend or whoever I don't want him to become a financial burden to that person. And so this, what I'm learning now, I wish I'd learned a lot longer and earlier, but it's never too late to learn something new. And so mm -hmm. this has been now my passion. And so um, just helping everyone to see that you can start where you are, as I'd said earlier, and just um, figure out how you're going to plan for when you're no longer here. But a lot of us get consumed with, protecting our kids and protecting when we're no longer here. But how about living a life of um, thriving and, you know, financial freedom while we're here as well and not only when we're no longer here, that it's providing for somebody in form of legacy. But um, so that's what we're helping them to do. And I, I find it joyful and I find it helpful. And I find it gives the clients that we talk to so much peace because a lot of them didn't know all these strategies that we sit with them mm -hmm. and tell them about before they sat with us. So just helping them get a little peace of mind is very helpful in that area. Yeah, yeah. And it and you made a good point. It's not just about planning for the future and making sure that you leave a legacy for your family. It's also the fact of let's make my right now. Oh hi, that's your son. Hi. Nice to see you. There's no, there's no more, there's no school today? Yes, there's remote learning just because uh, I don't know if you heard about the Canadian fire. So oh, yes. thing that's been happening there, we've been home for precautionary measures. So um, we've been, ha we've had remote learning yesterday and today. Yes. In fact, I, I saw a video on YouTube about the terrible, uh, like you can't leave the house in New York, especially they're saying, don't leave the house. If you go out, wear a mask. Yes, the fires have sent so much smoke your way. Yes, it has. Yeah, so doesn't sound like a fun weekend. Hi, there you go. <laughs> You'll be able to watch movies all weekend then, I guess. Yes. <laughs> or work or do whatever you do. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things you said to me was that um, no matter what, you always feel like you have to work 150% all the time. And that comes from you having an illness when you were a child that affected your life? Yes. So um, when I was, uh, you guys call it here in America, 20 months, but we say one year and eight months. So when I was one year and eight months, um, the polio epidemic happened in Jamaica and I contracted it um, because I did not get my vaccination. And so 
I have lived a life of always feeling like people look at me and the first thing that they see. I mean, one of the things I did love about online is that people do not get to see that part of me, the first thing. And so they get to judge me by my character and get to know me as a person individually. But um, in real life, I'm judged like they see the wheelchair and it's just like, I can't do anything. And to be honest, um, I've been doing a lot of stuff for myself all my life. It's just that I have to go up against these barriers that people see me through. And um, sometimes I feel like I can, I know I can do anything. I do anything. I mean, I do any and everything. I do any and everything, but um, it's just that. I, I just feel like that's all they see. And so it limits it's very challenging. I won't say limits. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I'm limited to doing, but there's a lot of stuff that I don't let it um, hamper me in any way. So, Tumpy, is it more that people say something to you or do is it that you, you're concerned they think that you're not capable have people like said something to you to give you that feeling? They have said it. <laughs> they have said it. They have um, not said it in so many words, but they have. Um, I remember when I left college, I was so excited when I got my teaching degree in 2010. Um, I went on all the interviews. I felt so good. I was good on paper, but the minute they saw me, it was a different story. And it got so, um, so disheartening. I felt so um, dejected and everything because I knew I was capable because I subbed for a few years before even going into getting my degree. And so I knew it wasn't something that was out of the way for me to do. But I went and they did all these things and um, it was just hard. It was very hard. And so that's when a lot of things that I end up not going into the classroom because of that, because they've said it. And not only in the professional um, circumstance, but also in my personal life, people have said it to me. And um, so I'm, to be honest, once I became a business owner is when I started seeing a lot because with being a business owner, <clears throat> I thought it was only going to be learning to <clears throat> do step-by-step step how to do business. Mm -hmm. But then it was more than that. It was like mindset mindset shifting. Right. And so I started looking a lot into the things that I was thinking, the things. And then this was when I started seeing and had to start shedding a lot of stuff because now I had to change the belief I had and realize were these my beliefs or were these outside beliefs that I was believing of myself because mm -hmm. I knew I was strong. I knew I can do anything. Um, I think parenting has been my hardest challenge so far because um, that comes with its own set of challenge, but being a disabled, um, a wheelchair mom has also been another challenge in itself. But I mean, I try not to let that stop me or let it impede the way I have my child um, interact with the world and what he can do. And I think um, for me too, um, I've seen where if I could see myself through my child's eye, I would be um, so much better because 
case in point, when he draws me, he never draws the wheelchair. He draws me with legs. So it's just beautiful to see the way he sees me. And um, <laughs> there he is in the background piping in. <laughs> so it's, it's just interesting the way he sees me. And yeah. so it's giving me a new light on the way I should see myself and see myself and that I'm capable not only of um, being in a wheelchair, but to be honest, I feel like for me, before I used to use a crutch to get around, but I was going to school, working and doing all these stuff and using public transportation. So it became hard on my limbs and everything. So my doctor gave me the wheelchair. And to be honest, once I got the wheelchair, I got a new lease on life because yeah. before walking was so limiting um, I couldn't go to a lot of places, but once I got my chair, I was going to the U.S. Open. I was going here. I was going there. And it was just so, it's all good. Um, so it's mostly just the people around that kind of put their thing on and the way they interact with people that are disabled. That's so disheartening because um, using public transportation in New York has been, uh, ooh. but I get through. And it's been like, I get to where I need to go. So trains and buses are a bit tedious and challenging at times, but I get through and go where I need to go. But as I said, I feel like my wheelchair is just another extension of my um, freedom to do Yes, I absolutely. Oh my gosh, you're able to go wherever you want, whenever you want. And thank goodness we have ADA um, legislation that makes sure that you can get around. So that's great. Yes. And I'm sure it was, I can't imagine how challenging it was for you to see yourself as fully competent rather than reflecting what others were thinking of you, like your own self-image that you're talking about. How did you, how'd you get there? How'd you get your, how'd you finally see yourself as who you are, the beautiful, fabulous, talented, skilled how did you get there from being a reflection of what others see in you? Um, I think it was instilled from I was younger because um, as someone with a disability in Jamaica, I actually grew up at a, rehab, at a rehabilitation center. And so they fostered independence a lot. I mean, we didn't cook for ourselves, we didn't whatever, but they made sure our little area that we were was always clean. We were relegated to do our own laundry on every weekend. Everything they made sure that we knew how to do and they exposed us to a lot of stuff. Um, so I think that was fostered in from a young age that not because you're like that doesn't mean because the world see you away, you have to live above and know that you don't have to be so minute into what it is and so they instilled that and i think even with everything when i was no longer there that kind of still was in me because i knew that it doesn't matter what people think or whatever people see me as i knew know what i'm capable of and so that has been so I mean, it's challenging, but at the same time, I know, so I just do what I need to do and um, to overcome what I need to overcome. But as I said, my son and them being a business owner has really opened my eyes to say, listen, it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're able-bodied, disabled or whatever, people have their limitations on you, it doesn't matter. 
So it's just you having to not, as the book says, not give a F about what they think and just live your life to the fullest. Because if you don't, you'll forever be depressed, forever be whatever. Everybody's going to live. Everybody's Everybody goes through something. And so you just have to say whatever. And so you just have to be the best you, as you said, be authentically you. And um, just do what it is that you need to do because at the end of the day, nobody's going to pay your bills. Nobody's going to do anything for you or rescue you. You have to do it yourself. And so, yes, I have um, people that support me. And yes, but at the end of the day, I have to believe in myself totally and fully to know that come what may, I have to get through whatever it is I'm going through. Yeah. And, you know, you said it. We all have something. We all have some disability inside, you know, whether it's how we think about ourselves or uh, how, you know, competent we think we are. We all have something that we're dealing with. For you, it's visible because you're in a wheelchair. But for most others, you don't see what it is that holds them back or holds their brain in a place that um, gets their self-esteem hurt. So how when did you how when did you move to the U.S. from Jamaica? How young were you? I was 19 years old at the time. So this was 23 years ago. Yeah, I just aged myself, but I'm proud of my age. So that's okay. <laughs> um, so I came here 23 years ago. And so that's when I came. So I didn't I did started college here when I came. So that's gotcha. yeah. So is that what brought you from Jamaica? Was you wanted to go to college here? No, actually, my grandmother, my mom's mom, she wanted us here. And so she filed for my mom and my mom brought my her four kids with her. So my two brothers and one sister. That's good. Do you ever get back there? Yes, um, but I haven't been home in a while. I tell people now that my son has been home a lot more than I have in the past few years because whenever his godmother was going home, she would always take him with her. Oh, nice. Yeah. Really nice. Well, what you are doing for people in terms of their finances yes. has got to give you a lot of satisfaction for sure, because you get to see people who might be in trouble and you get to get them out of trouble. And you were telling me earlier that when you were working with business people and uh, doing bookkeeping, one of the <laughs> that you found a lot of small business owners just don't even know their numbers. No. And so um, as I tell people all the time, I feel like we all go in business because of the passion that we have. I felt if I had not done that bookkeeping course, I probably would have been like the other business owners with my head where it comes to my numbers, not looking at it. But as business owners, when we come in, we want to have a thriving, profitable business. And so knowing our numbers is what's going to get us there in anything that we do. Even if you're running your household, knowing your number is most important as well. And so having them not look at it and know what their numbers were was a very um, not very good for them because a lot of them, when we become business owners, we weren't they weren't separating their personal from their business. Um, mm -hmm. in, num, information, finances. And so right. that was not a very good thing for their business either. And so um, just helping them to realize that there needs to be separation of the personal. So it's like a divorce in uh, your personal from your business, having them do that. Just a simple thing as that was um, very important for them because um, God forbid you were interested in selling your business or anything like that. You needed funding. 
people need to, those businesses need to see how your business is running so that is your business profitable for them to invest in your business. So that was some of the things that I enjoyed having them see and knowing that, listen, you have to do this because it's for the betterment of your business for the future. If you want to do long-term longevity and so forth with your business. So it sounds like separating your business from your personal is one of the number one things you should do as a small business owner. And it's one of the biggest mistakes you see people make. Exactly. So what do you tell people when they say, well, that's my living money. Should I pay myself or how do I get it? So my what's in my bank account is going to pay my bills. So let's say I put it in a separate bank account. Um, how do I do it? Do I send pay myself? Like yes. So, yes. So one of the things I was following as a bookkeeper is the profit first method. And uh, you, there's a YouTube, great YouTube video on with um, Mike Michalowicz that he explains profit first in its simplest form without you having to read the book. And so that was one of the things we were um, telling them about because you have to pay yourself first. You have to um, do planning for your biggest thing in your business, it, the expenses that are month to month, the reoccurring right. um, expenses. And so you have to account for those. So it breaks it down into how you have these five buckets that you focus on. There can be more, but the, fo the main focus were the five main buckets. So the pay yourself, the expenses, um, if I remember them right now, pay yourself expenses, um put away money so um there's a money that you put away for taxes because oh, yeah. a lot of the times too that's another thing that you have a business but you don't pay your taxes so that's a big no-no too and so, then you get a twenty thousand dollar tax bill in april yeah oh, wow yes yeah, well, so last year too. for me it was twelve thousand nine something but still, it's like, where am I going to get that? If you don't have the money in the bank to pay it, then you're in trouble with the IRS. Yes. Yeah, so that's what we teach. The 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 five the profit first method teaches about putting these buckets away. So when the time comes, then you have it to do it. So the most important one is paying yourself, which a lot of us as business owners, we think that every money we get is just to invest in the business. But at a time we get very disconcerted because then we're not seeing anything come to ourselves it's just the business the business the business and that's not why we went in business and so that's one of the right. things that was important to teach right well thank you so much for that and i urge all of you who are with us today to go to uh topi's website financialrevolution.com and then just put in her name and uh, there'll be information there about the profit first. And I love that. I'm going to look that up on YouTube. If I just put in profit first on the search, it'll probably come up. Because, yes, yes. Um, you know, what you're talking about is just basic stuff that we really, when we know, we can do better. And that's yes. all it is, is. The more you know, the better you can do. It's not like you're doing it wrong. It's not like you're being shamed because you didn't do it right. It's none of that. It's just learning and implementing as you go. So I love what you said about having the different buckets and also not putting, not commingling your funds. Exactly. So important. So wonderful. Thank you so much. And Toby, thank you so much for sharing about um, having a disability and, and, you know, how you can deal with that. And uh, for all of us, you know, it's just about showing respect 
And knowing that that person whose legs might not work, that doesn't mean their brain doesn't work. Exactly. Exactly. We can all learn. We are never too old, never too young to learn from anyone. And so we are always learning. And so now because people look a certain way, it doesn't mean that, as you said, something's wrong with their brain. But um, it's just giving people the opportunity to sit with each other. And I think that's one of the things networking shows is that you network with people. You never know. Sometimes I think if we just get to know people, um, then that makes a big difference because just to know them personally. Because a lot of times, as you said in the beginning, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And so that's one of the caveat of networking. And I still have um, a hard time networking a lot of times with people, but um, that is the main important part is just networking, getting to know people, not just to do business with them, but to know them as, on the personal level as individuals and as a person. So you Absolutely. can learn so much from anyone. Absolutely, 100%. And that's exactly why we do this show is because Women's Prosperity Network is a community of amazing people. And we all have our stories and we all have our stuff. Yes. And when we know that, when we embrace that, when we connect with each other and we know we all have our stuff, it makes for, you know, we, we're just people. Yes. When it all comes down to it, we're just people. So I urge all of you, become a member at Women's Prosperity Network. It's free. We're a community of amazing women like Topi. And Topi, thank you so much for sharing your truth and your story with all of us and for inspiring me to remember that you can't judge a book by its cover, so to speak, and that everybody's got their stuff and we're all doing the best that we can. So I appreciate you, Toby, so much. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Chris, for having me and I had a wonderful time. Just Me too. Thank you. My pleasure. And thank you all for watching. I'll see you again next week with another episode of Be Real, Get Real with Women's Prosperity Network. Bye, everybody. Have a fantastic day. Thank mm -hmm. you.